Boom, boom, boom. A lot of good sounds so far. Darling, you got to let me know. Should I stay or should I go? Very British. If you say that you are mine. I love this song. I'll be here till the end of time. So you got to let me know. Should I stay or should I go? Everybody now. It's always tease, tease, tease. <laughs> You're happy when I'm on my knees. I appreciate this song. One day it's fine and next it's back. So if you, you love me, love me back. <laughs> well, come on and let me know. Should I stay or should I go? I like that because he's telling this lady. Should I stay or should yeah. I go now? He's not making it complicated, you know? In this song, he's not like, I love you, babe. Are we going to be together? What are we going to do with our relationship? He's like, should I stay or should I go? Because yeah. you got to let me know. If, if I stay, it'll be trouble. No. If, what is it? if I about, stay, it will be double. You're, you're double. All right. It's got to be your bull. It's the clash. And it's a awesome. clash. Should I stay or should I go? You should go back to Rump Chat because we are back. Rump Chat style. Rump Chat action. Rump Chata. Oh, it's been so good. Um, I love it. Just rocking and rolling with another Rump Chat. And um, it, we're trying to make sure that we are getting one a week so we don't get in trouble from our fans. Yeah. It's it's hard, people. But, but we love you and we sacrificing. We are sacrificing. I am sacrificing my family right now. We're in your living old, room. Yeah. I have a few-week-old baby boy, and I'm like, go with your mom to the back room. So go sit in the back room with your mom. Uncle, Uncle Big Bear and me can record podcasts. Yeah. Rub chatting. But that's what makes us the best in the business, and I'll fight anybody who says different. I guarantee we're the... No, this it's not it's not uh, not being humble to say that we are the best clown... Humble. That we are the very, very best, the number one clown slash music man, uh, rodeo western themed um, podcast <laughs> ever. It's not even rodeo ever, theme. but probably the best or whatever. The best rodeo clown slash sound man duo ever to be on a oh, podcast. It's got to be western sports. Western sports we cover more than just rodeo. Hey, we're back on western sports roundup after the break. Bing, 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 bing. Hey, everybody, it's me, Steve Kenyon, reminding you the American is coming up. Steve's back on there. That's good. Yeah, I love Steve. Steve's the man. I can't nail Steve's voice. Well, you got to talk like, yes, you know. Well, no, that's, 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 a that's little, too much. That's a little too much. Hey, everybody, it's me, Steve Kenyon, reminding you Western Sports Roundup tomorrow night on RFD TV. And don't forget about the American. Is that close? Yeah, not bad. Yeah. Right. Lo- Steve's a good guy. Steve's, so Steve does we great to, work. We, well, we are Big Steve Kenyon. We'll fans. have to call Steve sometime because on Rump Chat... He lives outside of Stevensville. We should have had him come out. Stevensville, Texas. Stevensville, boys. <laughs> God. <laughs> so we we have guests on, and we're going to have some great guests because we're going to be doing a lot of guests during the NFR because we're going to be going live. Live every day. From the BFO tent. Yeah, outside the BFO tent. Come up, watch, listen to Come by, to talk us. shit. We don't care. Yeah, we're going to have a... We should have a crowd remote. Or crowd... Crowd remote. 
crowd microphone. Yeah. And uh, to where they can come up and uh, talk shit. And don't forget to, uh, when you get your ProFantasyRodeo.com rodeo team to get in Rump Chat League, we're giving away a wrestling belt. <laughs> wrestling belt. We are giving away two round trip tickets inside the Airfare. Continental. Yep. In Canada to Las Vegas. We are giving away two gold buckle seats. Mm. Mm. to a performance of the Wrangler National Finals. We are giving away two days of two VIP tickets Dose. to the Bullfighters only. VIP, yeah, VIP. Yeah, it's going to be fantastic. A $250 Cavenders gift card. Well, plus, if you win, even if you're in the Rump Chat League, if you win the whole deal, you win a brand new pickup, Ramp 3500. Yeah. So check it out, profantasyrodeo.com. Rump Chat League entries are open. Let's go. And and uh, we are giving away. We're going to do a drawing. Yep. For all those who enter after the deadline's over, for all those who enter the <clears throat> Rump Chat League, we are giving away a Boyd Gaming 2019 NFR vest. Yeah, they're slick. Badass. They're slick. Yeah, so that is, co- that is going down. Enter up, people. Yep. So, today we have a very, very special, honorable, great, courageous, charismatic um, human being. Well, he doesn't know he's going to be on the show yet because we have, uh, until we get our people where we can introduce them. We started this last week. We're doing random phone calls. So, we are going to call Bronk. Yeah, Rumford. We call our guests, and they don't even know they're getting called. So we're calling my dad. All right, here we go. Let's call Bronk Rumford. This is going to be great. I'm so excited for this. Right, I'll bet go. he's going to be in a good mood. <clears throat> Why wouldn't he be? Here he goes. He has no ringback tone like Hunter Cure. Yeah, no post Malone. Thank God. Hello, Bronco. Justonius, what are you doing? What? <laughs> Well, you're actually uh, on the air with uh, Rump Chat right now with me and Hambone. What's up, Bronco? Hambone, how in the world are you? Well, I'm better now. I get to talk to you, old bud. Dad. Well, I tell you what, uh, it's always <laughs> good hearing from you two. What, what kind of trouble are you into today? We're not in any trouble. We, we, <laughs> we. Uh, sorry for not calling you, but we are putting you as a guest on our show right now. Are you well, busy? I thought maybe it's calling me to bail you out of jail or something. <laughs> so no, have horse you, no, shit. No, horse ha, shit, Dad. We've heard. Uh, hold on, Bronco. We have heard Rump's side of the story about a college rodeo and him being in jail. Did you really leave him in jail for the weekend because it was going to cost five hundred bucks to get him out? Hambone, do you know how much I can do with five hundred bucks <laughs> and him in jail? <laughs> That's the only rodeo I can remember that I knew where he was at all weekend, and I didn't worry about him. I love it. I wanted to fight Dad so bad. Like, when we got in the truck to leave, he was laughing. He's like, how was your weekend? And I'm like, not funny, Dad. So, uh, You know uh, what he told me, though? He said the longer the weekend went, the more people were in jail that he knew. <laughs> That's I true. it. I guarantee There's it. There's a real sense of community in the drunk tank in River Falls, Wisconsin. 
So Broncos, so you're getting ready for the NFR. How's the uh, Queen Horse deal going? Well, really good, really good. So Bronco people, for you don't know, Bron um, Rumford for years has provided the courses for the Queen contest the for the horsemanship. horsemanship. Yeah, and so uh, which is there, there is literally nothing the Rumfords have been a part of in rodeo, and I mean it just blows my mind. And so, how many horses do you take, Bron? Well, you know, actually, the uh, we kind of manage the horses. Uh, I do along with uh, a couple gals, Lori Tolman and Johnny Newfelt. Uh, but those horses actually come from a lot of the stock contractors. We usually have five or six of our horses in, involved in that mix, but we uh, we usually use around 18, 18 or nineteen horses, and the stock contractors. Uh, you know, the various PRCA stock contractors take about 35 horses, saddle horses, to the NFR that they use in the opening ceremonies, you know, when they do the, the grand entry and bring them in state by state yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. whatnot. So uh, they're not all our horses, but uh, they're all a lot of good horses. More importantly, we also told the story on Rump Chat of when you come up with your um, intro with me and Haley when I had to ride the bucking horse. And the best opening ever. You Cowboy got take me away. Wrecked out. Yeah. That was that was pretty good. We had some good times with that and by the time we got done, that horse knew that song and hated it. Yeah. That horse <laughs> would you would put that song on the boom box and that horse would run as far away as he could on go. On the boom box. Bronco Rumford has <laughs> never had a boom box. The boom box. Um, on a totally unrelated note, since we do have my dad on here, well, I get asked this all the time, and I want my dad to verify that I'm telling the truth. Am I a bad cat? Some people say it's so, because when I was in fifth grade, third grade, we had the Wichita Zoo brought animals to uh, Fairfield East Elementary. And out of these animals was a bear cub. And they said, who wants to get a picture taken by the bear cub? I raised my hand. I was selected. Okay. Dad, now if I'm lying, I want you to back me up here. I And lie with him. No, my dad will tell the truth. So I get up there and this little bear cub looks at me. And I'm, I'm like looking at this bear like, hey, you know, I love bears. And this bear hand, this little bear hand, open bear paws me. This little bear slapped me in the face. And I spin around and I just punch this damn bear right in the nose. I mean, well, slapped. I slapped a bear. And that's no joke, didn't I, Dad? That, that is a true story. But, <laughs> you know, what, what's more important about that story is how good a judge of character the bear was. <laughs> <laughs> The the other story, since my dad's on the line, that I need him to verify. When I was in high school, and my dad made me go out for high school basketball. And you say you love basketball, though. I loved basketball. You're a big I just, candy or Jayhawks fan. No, no, no. I loved basketball. I just wasn't one You're for, just not good at it. I was okay. No, bro. He could have been, been good at it if he would have decided to. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> He, he if you'd had have put trouble more deciding to be good at it. I didn't. But at a game, I got put in with 32 <laughs> seconds left, and I needed to foul. <laughs> and I got into You were what they call the enforcer. I got in the game, and I went to foul Tim Bowden from St. John. 
They, How do you remember all these names? I don't know, but he, I pushed him, and they didn't blow the whistle. And everybody's going, foul, foul. So I just punched this dude right in the face as hard as I could. That's, that is true, Hambone. So I, I hit I, I don't know how we didn't. I don't know how we didn't get killed. You know, somebody put us on a hit list. <laughs> but, at, well, Dad, you were yelling, foul him. Were you not? You, you were going, well, foul him. Well, everybody, we needed to foul. So I punched him, and the refs grabbed me like, like they were trying to escort me out of a bar. So that's like you're an intentional to, foul. You're supposed to try to do it subtly. I, yeah, you like reach in, you slap a wrist, you don't punch a guy in the so face. While they started dragging me out, my gangster instincts kicked in, and I ripped off my jersey. And I threw it into the stands. <laughs> and then my dad and the principal and the road, or the coach came down to the locker room where I was scolded a lot. And then I had to go to St. John and apologize to every time when I would get to school and my dad's pickup was sitting in front of the office where the principal was, I knew I was in trouble. <laughs> and that, that happened. Hey, Hambone, I had my own parking spot. <laughs> Oh, uh, so hey, Bronco, I want to. Uh, what about the time uh, you were out of town, and um, so, and then a couple weeks later, you guys get a call about bulls that were at an event. That, oh yeah, <laughs> tell that story, Dad. That when, well, yeah, I, I was in Vegas. I was in Vegas at the NFR, and I had a. I had a pair of horses I was breaking to drive, and uh, anyhow, a good friend of ours that that we actually did the summer uh, county fair rodeo for in Kearney, Nebraska, uh, was calling. We was talking about this uh, team that I was breaking, and and uh, he says, uh, well, say, he said, uh, that horse, that, that load of stock you sent up there for our Christmas Eve or whatever deal it was, uh, event they had while we were at the NFR. I said, well, uh, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I didn't. Yeah. You sent a load of stock up here <laughs> to this rodeo. We did. I said, no, I don't think so. I, you, you got it mixed up. Well, come to find out. Oh, yo, yo there. You're old, uh, traveling buddy there. <laughs> Hambone. He, he, Gathered up the stock and him and Ty, and uh, now neither one of them. Ty didn't even have a driver's license, and well, most third graders don't. Didn't have a CDL. Anyhow, they they take a load of stock <laughs> to Kearney, Nebraska, and uh, buck them, and he pockets all the money. He still hasn't paid me for that. <laughs> I give you two hundred dollars at Tucson. So tell the story. So this, I'm. I think I've. Have I told this on no. here? No. So I'm sitting at home uh, taking care of the ranch, and this guy calls, and he says, Bronk Rumford? I said, yeah, this is Bronk. What do you need? He said, we have a, we're having this amateur rodeo in Kearney, Nebraska, and our, our contractor backed out. Could you bring us uh, 18 bulls and 15 horses? And I said, well, I can't because I'm going to be gone, but my son will. I said, what will it pay? And he says, $3,000. I'm like, 
Yeah, he'll be there. He'll <laughs> he'll be there. So three thousand for eighteen horses and fifteen bulls. Yeah, for two per rodeo. I mean, that's not very. Well, good. none of this stuff is yours, Hambo. That's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, when you're not paying the feed bill, it's all profit. And <laughs> and, and the and he charged all the fuel at the co-op. Yeah. <laughs> Was that the one that his girlfriend's dad owned? No, that's a different no. co-op. Oh. This is a, that was a whole different story. That was, <laughs> that was a whole different charge account. But I, Bronk, Bronk, I just want to tell you, this is not the only episode you're going to be on. I'm just telling you that right now. So I I take the semi because I drove the semi to school sometimes when my truck wouldn't start. <laughs> it, was a, it was a 1981 cab over International Eagle. With a four and a quarter cat with a thirteen speed, with the 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 shifter that's like a foot tall. Oh yeah, yeah, that's the one. Sure. The, the all the dirty magazines were underneath the sleeper <laughs> from our hired help. But so I I fill the truck up with diesel and um, Ty uh, follows me to Carney and we drop off the stock and then drive back home to go to the school the next day and then we drive back up there and and uh, we help put the rodeo on and everything bucked. And one of those horses that dad said he was breaking the drive was an old bucking horse. And I took that dude and that dude bucked. I mean, bucked. I, I still remember who got on him. Uh, that PBR bull riders, brother, Cooper McBride. Oh, Justin McBride's brother. Yeah. He was like 80, 80, 80 or 89. doesn't matter, but we get home and I've got, I had told him to make out the, uh, the check to cash. So my brother, Ty, he's like seven or eight. And so he helped me. So I give him a hundred of that cash. And so I had like $2,900 in the, in hundred dollar bills. And I'm like, oh yeah. See, because before Facebook and Instagram and picture messages, you could get away with stuff. But when dad got home and he found out that that's where I got home from school and he's sitting at the table in the kitchen and that's where Haley and me and Jeff and Cody and Dusty, like when dad sat at the kitchen table, you are in a pickle. <laughs> and so dad told me, he said, if you just pay me back, if you give me the rest of that $3,000, we'll call it even and you won't be in trouble. And I Ooh. never paid him back. I've been in trouble ever since. Awful. But I, hey, Hambone here. Here about three years ago, uh, I don't even remember what rodeo we were at. But it was in the summer, and and uh, old Rump Shaker there, he he puts his arm around me and he gives me a hundred dollar bill, and he said, "Dad, you remember that deal in Carney that time? I'm gonna pay you back. I I feel bad, and I'm gonna pay you back. I'm gonna give you a hundred dollars every rodeo we work." No, I said I'm gonna give you a hundred dollars every time I feel bad. <laughs> well i don't remember it that way i remember you're going to give me a hundred dollars every time you and i worked the same rodeo we've worked a lot of the same rodeo since and i ain't got another hundred yet I, that's because you didn't listen dad i said every time i feel bad at a rodeo we're working together i'm gonna pay you up to one hundred dollars no see this is <laughs> this is terrible i mean <clears throat> this is the man who brought you into this world, who provided for you, put a roof over your head, food in your belly, gave you life lessons, you stole money from him, and now you won't, even when you're making 
$2,500 a per. Oh, yeah. You won't even give your father back the three thousand, the measly $3,000 that you owe to him because it was his truck, his trailer, his stock. The way I see it you is You could this. take out, um, if you're going by some people's wages, uh, $50 for your wages. But so you owe your father I put $2,950. I gathered the stock. I did the trucking. Hey, Bone, if you if we if we uh, if you can get him to pay that, I'll cut you in. All right, oh, I'll get that. It's on Bronco. Minute, wait a it's minute. on Bronco. But you know the the I will not give him any more the way, comedy the, in his hey, ear. Bone, the funny the funny thing about that that team horses I was breaking, uh, he took them up there, and the reason we had them breaking them to drive was because they wouldn't buck. <laughs> or, or so or so the guy that uh, sent them to me thought. And we bucked. he bucked one of them up there, and that dude really bucked, like he said. And we bucked that horse. Justin, how long we bucked that horse? Painted Desert. Quite a, 214, quite a while. Yeah, quite a while. Anyhow, one year he was the uh, saddle bronc horse of the year in the Prairie Circuit. <laughs> This is after the guy sent it to you. Yeah. Yeah. And if it wasn't for me, we wouldn't have found that horse. So you're saying you're equal. No, he's not equal, yeah. but that, <laughs> there is some truth to that. Yeah. Just like every J.R. <laughs> Rumford story, Bronk, there is and, some and truth you, to it. I guarantee you, Hambone, the, there has not ever been another horse that was bucking horse of any circuit that was broke to drive double or single. <laughs> that's and that's a, you, you could you could buck him, ride him, and drive him. That's a true story. Driving, yeah, but you he know bucks, what? He, he rides in big trucks. <laughs> well, but actually, see, but back in the day, a lot of horses did that. If you look at the old archives at the old Flying U, there was a lot of rodeos where they had to lead the bucking horses into the old coliseums. Yeah. You know that? And so oh, yeah. even like our horses, like back in the day, my grandpa Floyd, a lot of our horses had to be broke to drive because, or broke to ride because we would let the Girl Scouts ride our bucking horses in between rodeos at the Girl Scouts. How does that, that's, it amazes me. How you put Girl Scouts? They were broke to ride, but then horses, once you put a flank on them, it horses, was. Those horses were broke to ride, and they were gentle. But you you hang that flank on them, and they would buck. Now that one year I'll never forget horse we called uh, his branded number eighty. Uh, uh, what what was his name, Justin? The, uh, the app. Yeah. I don't know. Aptalusia. Aptalusia. <laughs> number not. 80, Aptalusia. And uh, we, the Girl Scouts rode him for five weeks at the Girl Scout camp. And the day the Scout camp was over, we loaded him and hauled him to rodeo at Yukon, Oklahoma, and he bucked one of the app buyers off. <laughs> God, that's uh, outstanding. Take that, app so, buyers. That is so cool. Only the Rumfords. Well, but when my dad went to Finland, you yeah. know, yeah. every one of those horses. So, like, on those overseas trips or, you know, the different ones that there's been, um, the Wild West shows, when you take those over, you, they have to be broke to ride, drive, and buck. 
But when they went to Finland, um, can you tell us about your Finland getting the horses over? You think you well, had a I shitty did. day on an airplane? That that was amazing. Leon Adams. Uh, but Leon Leon worked for a Sorry, year I'll, on those horses and we took we took forty five head of horses over there. To Finland. And every horse you had to be able to buck him, ride him, and drive him. Because we did uh, chuck wagon races and uh three three wagons, four up on each wagon and two outriders on each wagon. And uh we did you know, bareback riding and bronc riding. We had no pins, and so we had to rope and catch every horse that we bucked. And in that two-hour show that we did, which uh, Jerome Robinson was the producer, and uh, Leon, you know, was was kind of the main horse guy. But in that two-hour show, had we had a horse for everything that we did with the horse, we would have used. Uh, like 212 horses, and we did all of that with 45 horses. Jesus. So, like you would, you would buck them in the bareback riding, in the bareback riding, and catch them, and we'd lead them over there, and then take them back and harness them, and we'd drive them in the chuck wagon races, and uh, you know, I mean, it was just crazy. And I'll, I'll never forget when we, when we got over there, we had uh, the first day. Uh, we were picking our horses to ride in the parade and we, we rode all the horses, uh, you know, we used in the parade and there was one little, uh, ugly, ugly pot bellied, no mane, glass eyed Appaloosa horse that stood about 14, three and oh, it was the ugliest thing you've ever seen. And nobody wanted to ride him. And Harry Vold was over there with us, Harry and Karen. And so we all decided that that's the horse we'd let Harry ride. <laughs> the dude and who shoots so, on a fat Alpy. Because Harry, Harry wasn't there when we was picking horses. Well, you know, the rest of us, we're not thinking, you know, these are, really these were all bucking horses. Because you can ride them and drive them pretty easy. But the bucking part. So they had to first be able to buck, and then then we worked on the riding and driving. But so we all get our horses picked, and we we ride in this parade, and this parade is like seven miles through downtown Helsinki, and there's fifty some thousand people, uh, you know, on the parade route that day, and about three feet on the left of you, they run these electric trains every fifteen minutes. And about three feet on the right side of you was just lined with people. And the, the, every time them trains and them electric trains would come by, them horses would they'd freak out. And we'd kind of have to twist, reach up there and twist an ear. And, and every horse was about half crazy riding in that parade except the little pot-bellied ab. <laughs> And Harry Vold, in your Harry face. Vold rode the whole parade on a little old loose line, and every time one of them trains would come by, and the rest of us scared to death, were our horse going to end up in front of one of them trains or else over in the crowd? And, and that little app, I mean, not even paying any attention. Harry, well, boys, I don't know who picked my horse, but I sure want to thank them. <laughs> But so, you you got to tell about getting the horses over there with your plane story. 
to, well, the, the trip you, to yeah. Finland was one to, to you'll never forget. Well, I tell you, we uh, we we shipped the forty five horses that finally made the cut to go, and we shipped them to Chicago. And there was nine of us cowboys that went with the horses, and I can't even remember them all. There's Pat Beard and Gobi Roberson and Danny May and Blair Hamilton, and, uh, Mitch Hutchison, uh, oh, Scott Mitch Cameron. Hutchison. Anyhow. Um, we we go to Chicago with the horses and they we check them in at the impound station. They quarantine them there for a few days uh, before we leave. And so we get a call from Jerome and we're supposed to be at the, the airport the next morning at six o'clock. And so boy, that night we're getting around there and well, boy, about midnight, why the phone rings and it's Jerome. And Jerome says, uh, y'all don't don't load the horses to go to the to the airport. Just wait at the hotel till I call you. Well, we have no idea what the holdup is, uh, but we wait three days uh, just hanging around the hotel there in Chicago waiting on Jerome's call. Well, what we didn't know was the production company out of Finland had not paid for the cargo plane to fly the horses to Finland. And so Ooh, they're they're about shit. to cancel they're about to cancel this whole thing. And there's fifty-five cowboys and forty-five horses and all kinds of equipment that's that's you know supposed to be flown to, to Helsinki and and uh, but at that time we didn't know what the deal was. Well uh Benz they didn't pay for the plane, the cargo plane wouldn't fly them. And so in that three days, Jerome, they're uh, hustling around there trying to figure out what to do. And they're just about to cancel the whole show and call it all off. And they find an Egyptian airline that will fly the horses. <laughs> you got to be shitting. And, it's like Uber for horses. The, <laughs> only thing, the only thing, they didn't have a cargo plane. They, they just gutted a passenger plane. And anyhow, uh, Jerome, he calls us that one day. He says, okay, he says, uh, beat the airport at like 5 o'clock tomorrow with the horses. So we, we load three uh, big trailer rigs, uh, 15 horses in each rig, and, and we got equipment and all kinds of stuff. And we show up at the airport there at the time we're supposed to, the cargo part of O'Hare there in Chicago, and we wait. And at noon, we're still sitting on the tarmac waiting. And finally, this plane with this letter and you can't read on the side of it comes rolling in there. But it, it's not a cargo plane. And we'd went through orientation on, you know, uh, how the horses would be loaded in the crates and how the crates would be loaded. And, and you know, and boy, you know, kind of versed on the living quarters part of the uh, cargo plane where we would, you know, fly and and it was really going to be a pretty cool deal. Well, that that Egyptian plane wheels in there and and uh, they come out there and people from the airport they're going by us giggling and laughing and we have, still haven't got a clue. We're just like sheep going to slaughter. And finally, we figure out we're going to load these 45 horses on this. Uh, passenger plane that's just been gutted and they took all the seats out and everything and they put plywood down on the floor and sawdust on the plywood 
And when we started loading the horses, they had no crates. So we stood them just on a scissor platform down. We made sides for it out of cardboard. Uh, and we'd take some horses three at a time up on that scissor lift, uh, two stories up in the air and walk them across that plank again with cardboard on the side. And we loaded them in that plane, head and tailed them 45 Jesus. head of horses from got- front back. And every 15 horses, we'd put a, a wire, a piece of aluminum hog panel across there to kind of divide the horses up, but there was no petitions, uh, anything. You had the cockpit, the pilot, co-pilot, flight engineer, technical engineer, and loadmaster, and then about five feet back, the horses started. <laughs> and, and we got it. We uh, dad, you've got you've got the pictures of that too. So I got. Oh yeah. I got to get the pictures to Absolutely. post on my Instagram because. This sounds a little my, like my story, but this my is real. Thought, my wife for a long time thought that uh, th- this story was a lot of BS and until she saw the pictures. Yeah, and Jesus. so we, we have photo documentation. Anyhow, we, we get all them horses loaded, and we sat there, and they closed the plane. And we sat there for like three hours, and it's 77 degrees in uh, in, uh, Chicago that day. And we're on that that plane for three hours sitting there on the tarmac uh, with 45 horses on there, no bathroom facilities on the plane. It's kind of like being out on the ranch. And anyhow, finally, when it comes time to to go, we, we can hear everything. Uh, and what we didn't realize was that the only the only one of the five man crew that spoke English was the loadmaster, which which is not in uh, which is not in uh, lawful compliance with you know uh, uh, yeah. flights. You know, yeah. you've got to speak English. The FAA. Well, and anyhow, and your they Egyptians come on there, always they say flight, so. whatever. Uh, turn out on the taxiway and taxi to the end and then wait for instructions to take off. Well, these Egyptian pilots, they, they pull out there on the, on the taxiway, you know, that runs beside the runway, and we, we turn and we take off. We, we take off going the wrong direction on the taxiway. Oh, Jesus. And, and you can hear you can hear them, you know, flight 303, go to 20,000 feet, turn left, and they're, they're directing traffic out of our out of our road. And anyhow, we take off. And when we take off, uh, there's 38 of the 45 horses go down. Oh, Jesus. And uh, I was at the back of the plane. And Hambone, I don't know if you've ever been on a plane, but uh, <laughs> yeah, the, next time, the next time you're on a plane, go sit at the back when they take off and just envision 45 horses in front of you Sliding with your 38 way. of them falling down. Jeez. And we worked for two hours getting them horses up. And I mean, it was a wreck. And we get two hours we get them all stood up and we get everything kind of situated and we land in gander newfoundland to refuel and 
the weather in Gander, Newfoundland is 77 degrees, upper 70s when we left Chicago. It's 26 degrees, sleet and snowing in Gander. And we refuel, and they won't, they won't give us clearance to leave, uh, to take off in Gander until we de-ice the plane. And these Egyptians won't de-ice the plane because it's going to cost too much. And, and we take off from Gander without clearance and without de-icing the plane. Jesus. That and you would be arrested for life if they did that now. This was in 1991, so you could still get away with that, right? Back then. Well, we did. I guess we did get away with it. Yeah, they did. Anyhow, anyhow, our contracts on those overseas trips with Jerome, you know, one of the stipulations is that uh, you're absolutely not allowed to get drunk. Well, you know, I'm out. <laughs> you, you, will be, you will be sent home without pay if you are, you know, drunk. Well, when we were in Gander there, uh, Badlands Blair Hamilton, uh, you know, a couple <laughs> of them guys were about half scared of flying. And they were really scared uh, when we were when we took off from Chicago on that little jaunt. Well, Hamp, Blair Hamilton he goes to the airport in Gander, and he stocks up on uh, liquid courage. And uh, but when he comes back to the plane, he he's in Gander. He's as white as a sheet. And he said, "You'll never guess who's in line in front of me at the liquor store." And it was one of our pilots. <laughs> and that, that flight from Gander to Helsinki, they 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 dined on uh, wine and uh, who knows what. Anyhow, so did we. And, but, <laughs> so did we. But, uh, Badlands Blair, when we land in Gander or when we land in uh, Helsinki, he's passed clear out. And you can imagine now we've been on this plane 14 hours. Oh my God. Uh, the smell was, the, the, the ammonia Ooh, was horrible. Man. Anyhow, when we, as we land in Helsinki, we can hear them, you know, talking and they, they were supposed to, you know, once we get on the ground, we're supposed to taxi here and anyhow, they give us directions where to go. And once we get there, we're not to open the doors. And they're not going to open the doors till they get all the TV cameras, because they've got Finland's big TV station. They're going to do a, you know, a big deal on the horses, you know, and the All-American Wild West show and rodeo troupe uh, coming to Helsinki, and they're going to, boy, we're going to have a big TV deal, and boy, it's really going to be something. And we get to where we're supposed to, and they open them doors, and the TV cameras everywhere, and. Oh, Badlands Blair, he walks out there. We all walk out there like we're supposed to. Only when that, when we hit that fresh air, oh, Badlands Blair, he's sick and throws up all <laughs> over. And Jerome Robinson, oh, God. Jerome hardly ever loses his cool. And Jerome, he comes up them steps into that plane, but the smell and just the whole look at that plane Jerome looked at that turned around went back down them steps and never ever said a word <laughs> anyhow that that plane that was something else when we when we shut the door in Gander it took them like 
Oh, it took them like seven or eight times to get that door to latch because of the uh, ice and the buildup, you know, on the plane from the sleet. <laughs> oh. Excuse me, and everything there, and and so we didn't know if you know once we took off together, we didn't know whether that door was going to come open or or what. But uh, and again, when they took off, I mean, they just tipped her up, and away we went. And we had horses down. We went through that deal again, but. Uh, the the plane is 12 hours then from uh, Gander to Helsinki, but we landed. Everything was good, and uh, it was quite a show. I guess I guess you really got to say this. I'm gonna I, I forget about this story sometime, but next time that I'm complaining about being in the middle seat on the Southwest flight for two hours, <laughs> huh. I want you to remind me that it could be worse. I could be. In a 757 with 45, 45 horses. horses. Just pissing <laughs> all over. Oh, the ammonia. I can't imagine. Oh, but we. I have got to find... When I come up back to Abbeville, I'm digging out those pictures because... Like, when I first heard the story, I'm like, okay. Okay, Bronco. You know? Yeah, you didn't believe it either. No, but... Because that's quite a story, Bronk. That is an amazing... That's, that's, a, that's a story. Was the uh, the don't get drunk policy that was just on that trip though, wasn't it? Did we lose him, Bronco? Are you shitting me? Did he hang up? He's probably got it on mute and he doesn't know it. All right, let's let's uh, want to take a gold buckle yeah, beer let's break. Take a gold buckle beer break. Gold will... buckle beer and Bob Will's music. Rub chat. And, and we will uh, we'll be back. We're gonna try and get a hold of uh, Bronco. God knows what happened to him. And, uh, you know, we'll find him. So, anyway, we'll be back. To be nice. Know the joy within you. A ballad to Brawl Crumford. The preacher man says it's the end of time And the Mississippi River, she's a going dry The interest is up and the stock market's down And you're only getting mugged if you go downtown You're not gonna get mugged in Abbeville Maybe by the Amish <laughs> I live back in the woods, you see A woman and the kids and the dogs and me Who can survive? Bronk, I've got Bronk a shotgun, a rifle, and a four-wheel drive And a country boy can survive Bronk, Bronk can survive <laughs> Oh, what a good song Alright We're back Okay, a couple things. My dad's never had a rifle or a four-wheel drive, and he's not a fisherman, so. <laughs> you never went uh, fishing with your dad down at the, at the old watering hole? My grandpa Floyd used to take us hand fishing. My grandpa Floyd can noodle. Oh, noodle. It's not hand fishing. It's called noodling. 
Noodling. Noodling, I said. To D, as in Dave, <laughs> as in Derek, as in dog. Let's get Bronco Rumford back on the line. We lost him. Gotta come. Hello. There he is. Bronco, you're back. We're back with Rump I'm Chat. Back. Did you did you have a gold buckle beer during the break? I did not. Well, we got to get you some gold buckle beer. There, I, I, yeah, I, I was. You need to stock me up with that. Well, it's in my refrigerator in Ponca City. Well, I and I've been in Ponca City. I tell you what, I got to brag on my dad here. Brag on this because this is a this is awesome. With my triplets, um, my dad helps. He he will come watch them and stuff. So this <clears throat> summer, he had all three kids for four days by himself. That's amazing. Three five-year-olds with horses for almost a week by himself. And so somehow he gets by, and this morning he came down to, uh, or yesterday he came down to watch the kids so me and Ashley could do our 12-year anniversary trip. And Dad got up this morning and got all, all the kids ready, got the girls ready, did their hair, uh, and took them to school. So, oh, he's a pretty handy papa. Besides, and we got there on time. boy, Bronco. You're the man. <laughs> did you have to do their hair? Well, I did. Uh, actually, Nana did their hair the night before, oh. but I had to touch it up a little bit. <laughs> so, Bronco, uh, you know, me and Witt, uh, our little baby boy's two weeks old today. Uh, we might need you to come down, do some, <laughs> do some watch. He's only, he's just, it's just one, yeah, a little babysitting, only one of them. His name's Gus. Oh, I, I could handle it, Hambone. You're the man, Bronco. Well, I could handle it. Back to what we were talking about a little bit earlier about these <laughs> wild trips. You said that on Jerome Robinson's trip that you couldn't be drunk. Yeah, you you, you know, you had to, uh, you were expected to, because a lot of those had, you know, a pretty strong social side to them. And, you know, we went to, like when we were in Finland, we were uh, hosted by the Finnish government at a, would be like going to the White House here. And, you know, uh, you, you were out and around and you were expected to, you know, to participate, but uh, you you were expected to not ever lose control of your uh, of, of your person. Okay, so <laughs> with that being said, I want you to tell everybody at Rump Chat about with without any without being drunk, how you guys lost a fighting bowl in downtown Paris, France, <laughs> that ended up making national news. Well, we, uh, yeah, that's a, uh-huh. that's a funny, that's a funny story, and and actually, uh, I don't think there was a sober person in that group. Uh, well, talk us through but, how you lost a fighting bull. Well, see what happened. Uh, we were in Bercy Coliseum in Paris, and we kept all the all the livestock in the lower level of that coliseum that there was like three levels and uh all the livestock was in the the bottom and and our quarters we stayed there in the coliseum had you know living quarters uh you know kind of a dormitory style deal well uh there was and there was uh, all those trips took about 50 to 50 to 60 people well there's about 45 guys in one big room and nobody had a complete, you know, a, a cot, uh, sheets, mattress, 
covers, pillows, you know, ever, everybody was missing something of those 45 of the 45 guys that stayed and we called that room, the slums. Well, there was five of us that for whatever reason got special treatment. It was Chris Libert, uh, Barney Bramer, uh, Clyde Himes, uh, myself, and one other person who I can't think of who the fifth one was, but we had we had our own private quarters, uh, you know, really nice. We each had a, our own bathroom, uh, and we were kind of the envy of the forty-five guys that all had to stay in one room with one one big bathroom amongst all of them. Oh, it's got to be and, awful. And Ugh. so one night, one night we, we partied after the rodeo every night. We partied in that big room where all them 45 guys stayed. We called it the slums. Well, you know, uh, there got to be a little too much consumption of alcoholic <laughs> beverages that evening. And so the 45 guys decided they would go down to the lower level and get a camog. That's what they call the, the French fighting bulls were called camogs. And so they they decided they would get this camog. They, they probably weighed 600, five, 600 So it's like a pounds. stag, it's like a stag fighting bull. Yeah. And so they, but they'd got the key to, to our room. And so they were going to take that fighting bull uh, up to the third level where our dormitories were and put him in our room so that when we came home at daylight, and unlocked our door and walked into our room. We were going to be met by a very unhappy bovine. When you got home from the party, you're going to get hooked by a bull in your room. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, but on the on the way from on the way from the uh, you know bottom level to the top level, uh, going through the elevators and the hallways, the bull got away from them and got out of the building and. Uh, the only time in my life, and I've, I've, I was had the great opportunity to work for Jerome Robinson on so many occasions, and uh, Jerome's one of my heroes to this day. I think he's one of the smartest men uh, in in rodeo then and today. Uh, he was just inducted into the Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame as a notable. Uh, Jerome Robinson, so many things. And I only have seen Jerome Robinson really mad one time in my life. And that was that night in Paris, France, when they let that uh, Kamal get out of the Coliseum. And we chased that Kamal all over Paris. And we roped him off of a barge in the middle of the Seine River at Jeez. daylight. And we uh, got him back to shore and wrestled him down, tied him up, and put him in the back of a police van and hauled him back to the Coliseum. And I'll never forget Barney Bramer, uh, you know, one of the old-time great bull riders and, and uh, absolutely an outstanding character. Anyhow, Bramer, uh, Brimwall that we called him. Brimwall. We're, we're going back in the police van with the Camog tied down the back, and Brimwall, he keeps holding his hands up, and he said, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. And finally, somebody says, what in the world can't you believe? He said, I'm in a police van. It's daylight, and I don't have handcuffs on. <laughs> 
Anyhow, we finally got that. We finally got that bull back to the Coliseum and got him put back did, in. Uh, uh, anyhow, how did he get out I of think, the Coliseum? How did he get out? Yeah. Well, uh, you know, when a mad fighting bull breaks loose and takes off running down hallways and open doors and one door leads to the next door and and you, you got a bunch of uh, drunk hooligans chasing him <laughs> or him chasing them, uh, you know, and finally he gets to the door and gets out. It, it wasn't it didn't uh, it wasn't that hard. I, I wish that we could find that article because. I want to do one of those memes that says, you think you've partied? Have you ever um, let a fighting bull get out of a coliseum and had a rope in the middle of the river off a police barge? Yeah. You, know? I, you ain't done shit. Yeah, you know what? I you make we, me feel bad about my little excursions, but I've never let a fighting bull get out in Paris. Justin, I think in one of our in one of those uh, books at, at Mom's place is the article in that Paris in a Paris paper that next day and it said American bull goes insane. <laughs> insane river. Oh. You'll have to excuse my friend Ad. He's a little slow. I get it. <laughs> oh. God, that's good. There ain't much so didn't you guys go to Spain too? Yeah, we we because Rory Lemel was on that. He oh, talks we about to, that. Rory went on the one to Venezuela. That's it. He and said it was insane that he, you were really young. He's, I was a senior in high school. Yeah. Hey, I, I Rory, Rory Lemmel has got no backbone. Let me tell you about <laughs> Rory Lemmel. <laughs> Rory and I, we're in, we're in uh, I think, I'm trying to think of that town, Barquisimento. Oh yeah, and the people there would come like the for a three o'clock in the afternoon performance, the stadium would be full at nine o'clock in the morning. Anyhow, they come down to our quarters there in Venezuela and they say we're gonna have a queen contest today. Uh any of you cowboys like to judge the queen contest? Well, you know, I've been involved in the rodeo queen world for a long time, and and so you know, naturally, I've boy, I volunteer and well, naturally, Ro yeah. Rory Lemmel, he's right there, and you know, Rory, he, uh, you know, he's pretty well versed on all aspects of rodeo, and he thought he would be a good judge, and so <laughs> Ro Rory and I, we. We volunteered to judge the Queen contest in the Rodeo Queen contest in Barquisimento, Venezuela. Well, now we get out there, and you got to understand there's like 12,000 people in this bull ring. Uh, and so we judged the five girls, and uh, every one of them was absolutely beautiful. And they weren't dressed but, in rodeo. But for the record, they were no, wearing no, bikinis. Like. They, they were dressed more like what you would see down at uh, Spring Sadie's, at Sadie's uh, you know, uh, nightclub. Sadie's Ladies in Ponca City, Oklahoma? <laughs> that, oh, yeah. I, I didn't know if you'd picked up on that. Oh, I didn't, I've never been there, Dad. Is it good? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I just been I just... I just drove by it the other day, and Bandy said something about it. <laughs> so I, I don't know. Burn. But Damn anyhow, Bandy. anyhow, four of these five girls are 
dark skinned, I mean, dark haired, absolutely gorgeous uh, South American young ladies. But the fifth one, the fifth one was a blonde. I mean, fair-skinned, blue-eyed, blonde-haired, blonde, and uh, was very uh, noticeable. What would made her noticeable, Dad? Well, <laughs> I can't remember right off. Bullshit. I, I'm sure there was a couple things about her. You're that... not alone on this phone call, are you? <laughs> Mom's right there, isn't she? <laughs> You're not with Mom, are you? Anyhow... Anyhow, Anyhow, when it when it comes time when it comes time to pick the winner, uh, you know we're supposed Roy and I are supposed to go over one on either side of her, and then one of us hold up the hand of the winner of the queen contest. Well, now you got to understand tradition in South America when they're at the bull ring and something happens and they like it, they throw empty beer cans into the ring, mm. but. But if there's something that they don't like, they throw full beer cans. Ugh, yeah. And so it comes time to announce the winner of the queen contest. And Rory and I, we both really like the blonde. Why? It, uh, well, her better. She just, her, her complexion of her skin was so nice. Oh, God. And so we, we go over and we start to hold the hand of this blonde up and a full can of beer hits the stage right in front of us. And Rory, he doesn't even bat an eye. He just turns to the gal on his left and holds her hand up and they cheered and, and clapped <laughs> and threw, and threw oh, empty beer that cans is Rory into Lemel. the that Into is the ring. He did it. That, that sounds just like Rory. I mean, that is spot on. <laughs> oh, See me. I was gonna stick with. I was gonna stick with my pick because you know I've got scruples. <laughs> oh God, you got scruples. So you know that anyhow, Dad. You remember Rory? When... He bailed. <laughs> first, first side of, first side of you know a little, uh, you know just a little issue, and he bails. Well, in his defense, it's pretty scary when people start chucking full beer cans. <laughs> and they, and when you're as uh, low to the ground as Rory. Oh, throwing beer cans. <laughs> you could hit him in the nose. That hurt. You know, Rory, I work for Rory a lot, Dad. Yeah, you're an idiot. Kind of my boss. I'd yeah, you're an idiot. I'd really appreciate if everything you said. Justin about on that trip to Venezuela, <laughs> Justin was supposed to, in the wild horse race, Justin was supposed to mug, and uh, Jerome, <laughs> Jerome said uh, in the you know post production meeting, Jerome says, uh, Justin, uh, you know when you mug one, you got to get close enough to touch the horse. Not really into that. <laughs> That, I, you know, do, I was the youngest guy on the trip, and so I had to do all the stuff nobody wanted to do. I had to get on Bodacious like nine times. <laughs> yeah, I bet you did. I did. I had Dad made me get on Bulls, and I didn't want to. And, and I was underage, and he told me that I could drink all the Polar Light beer that I wanted if I just get on Bulls at these <laughs> Wild West shows. So, like, Polar Light was the official beer sponsor. So my dad was like, here you go. And he'd give me a case of beer, and then I'd get on these Bulls and get jerked down and the we were traveling with the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders like we had like four cheerleaders 
Um, and I was trying to hook up with one. Justin, I'm Justin couldn't ride bulls very good, and he, he never could hook up with any of the cheerleaders. But the one thing that he did do good was he could turn a backflip uh, with his shafts, spurs, and everything on. Uh, you know, and so he was a hero for that. But he, that I don't think he ever. I don't think he ever got one of them twelve-point bulls. Bullshit! Uh, <laughs> hold on, hold on. I don't think he ever got to the whistle on one. He never got to the whistle on no. a bull or a Cowboys Dallas no. Cowboys cheerleader. When I got hung up and knocked out in Maracaibo, <laughs> Venezuela. Oh God! Here we go. Have you seen the scene from uh, <laughs> the Sandlot when he jumps in the water and act like he? Um, drowns. Yeah, squints. Squints, and then the the hot um, the hot chick brings oh, him yeah. back to life. I got knocked out, and I woke up, and one of the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders was trying to help me bring me back to life because turns out in Venezuela they don't have the best uh, <laughs> EMTs. <laughs> yeah, the EMT was uh, the EMT at our first rodeo went to was a was an EMT with a Subaru. Didn't even have a, a stretcher or <laughs> lights. <laughs> I told dad, I'm like, I don't think this, no, no, you're fine. You know, and you know, you got to understand in other cultures, you know, things are like, there's no ambulance. Like, Justin, he, one day we were setting up a, the arena in one of them bull oh. rings and Justin, he said, I'm about to starve to death. He said, I got to have something to eat. Well, now in, in South America, they don't have a quick shop on every corner. They don't have fast food restaurants. So Justin, he gets out into the streets there, wherever we were, and he comes back with a styrofoam full of burritos. Uh. And so, boy, we sit down there with our Polar Light beer and, and the uh, styrofoam deal full of burritos that Justin brought back. and. <laughs> and uh boy we're just chowing down and our interpreter comes by and he starts laughing what do you suppose we were eating horse those, those burritos were made of goats and dog i yeah i couldn't finish like it the, the worst part was what, what is it good before you knew that Oh, it, it was really so was good. actually. So was it actually? If nobody would have said anything, you would have never known it. Well, I went down exactly. the corner, and you know, when you're not from South America and you're wearing a cowboy hat and spurs in a downtown city area, you stick out. And this little kid was selling me that one dollar American. I'm like, really? So I, I had a bunch of Bolivars or whatever they're called. So I had bought the whole cooler because I was. Because you know, like sometimes when I go to Taco Bell and I'll get like the family pack of soft tacos, mm-hmm. that's what I was trying to do there. And uh, I was sharing, I couldn't finish. I started throwing up because I can't eat a dog, but not my dad. He finished her, <laughs> he finished off the tacos. <laughs> Let me tell you something, Hambone. Uh, you would have never known but what you were eating beef. Oh, but dad, yeah, last I mean, yeah, but, but you'd never know. But I did know, okay? That's, that's, oh, blah, blah, you know. But that was the last, actually, that was the last overseas trip. I, I kind of bailed on those after all the accidents that I was in. And, like, when we would go in between rodeos, we had to ride this bus. And so the Polar Light beer people would load it with, like, 70 cases of beer. And all those cowboys, West Bailey, um... Thad Bothwell, uh, Jeff Rory and Red Lemmel. Yeah, Jeff Miller, the bareback rider. These dudes would just drink beer 
all night long on that. Well, that's bus. all he had to drink was the beer. Oh, and and they would sing and tell stories, and that bus smelled mm. terrible, didn't it? Do you remember how bad that bus smelled? Oh yeah. <laughs> so the next time drone calls, you remember him, when we were going through those mountains and that gunman ran out and the waving that gun and stopped our bus and oh. and took us to took us to his restaurant I for was, lunch. I cried and everybody called me a bitch, but what happened was we're going through the mountains and there's a dude with a machine gun standing in the middle of a blacktop road waving the gun. Waving the gun at the bus. And so we pull over and I'm like Jesus. I, of course, now remember I'm in high school, my like, sure. <laughs> And dad's like, it's it's fine. I'm like, it's not fine, Dad. He's got a he's pointing a machine gun at our bus. He's like, Oh, you know, Justin, in other cultures. I'm like, no, he's got a in any culture, when you get a machine gun pointed at you, that's a pucker factor. So our bus driver, the dipshit, he stops. I I was saying to hit oh, the guy. No. And he comes on the bus with the machine gun and says, I'd like to invite you guys to eat in our restaurant. So we did. <laughs> Yeah, After because what are you going to tell a guy with a machine gun? You don't want to go to his restaurant? He walks, no. He walks on the no, bus no. with the machine gun and says, I would like to invite you to come into my restaurant. Why did he have a machine gun? We were in well, the... Well, we found out later the machine gun was uh, part of the, uh, you know, getting people to stop to at the restaurant. Oh, the it was a gimmick. But also... But also to guard your bus and your vehicle while you were inside eating. Because oh. in the in the Vins, in, back in the, those days in Venezuela, I don't know how it is now, but it's pretty pretty crazy in the country. Like the cities were pretty nice, but you get out in rural America in Venezuela, and it was uh, a touch hairy, I guess you would say. Yeah, I would say it wasn't like Reno County, Kansas. Yeah, you guys are a long way from home. Yeah. Yeah. Anyhow, it was really a good place to eat. <laughs> I I hope so. I had a I ordered the fish and they brought me a fish. A uh, a whole fish. It still had its I had to put a piece of lettuce over, over the, his eyes. Over his yeah. eyes so I could eat it. And the fish had teeth, it was piranha. You ate piranha? Yeah. It was really good. <laughs> Well, it was probably better than those dog burritos you had for lunch. Oh. I don't know. You know, at the time, those dog burritos were pretty good. <laughs> I drank. You, you know, with two or three of those Polar Light beers, and uh, you know, actually, Polar Light beer. We even we used our beer to eat our breakfast cereal with. Oh. I drank so much beer I couldn't do. It. I told Dad one day, I go, dude, I never want to drink beer. Ever again? Oh, yeah. That, he really stuck to that, didn't he, Bronco? Yeah, for about two weeks after he got home. Yeah, but <laughs> Dad said, "Well, don't drink the water." I drank the water. Terrible. Did terrible. you have the shits? Oh, the what? Oh yeah. Have you ever seen a calf running off a yeah, pasture? Yeah. The old screaming memes. <laughs> the old. <laughs> I was like that for a week. You old scours. And you can't just take a dump anywhere in Venezuela. I thought you could. Do they? Do they not? You have uh, to pay to use a. You have to pay. Yeah, because is it like Mexico where a lot of the places don't flush? Yeah, it's because the infrastructure is so old and bad. Yeah, a little, a little hairy, literally. But the a little hair. The one place though we ate there, 
So there's this steakhouse uh, right across the street from the bullring. Well, in Venezuelan culture, they still have the Killam bullrings, which we went to a uh, fighting bull uh, match where they they killed the bull, and it was like it's like biggest college football over there. It's mm-hmm. crazy, but what you know, which it was kind of violent. But the the thing about it is they actually butcher the bull in the bull ring and they give out the meat to the homeless. But there was a steakhouse right across the street where they actually had uh, steaks from the bull ring. So we went over there and uh, we were hungry and it's hard to find a, like a good steakhouse because like the people that raised meat in Venezuela, like that raised cattle, most they couldn't, it wasn't like over in the States where you got a bunch of cattle in a pasture, like, they would have like a steer uh, tied to a tree. That was like their ranch. Mm-hmm. And so we went over there and I ordered a steak and this steak came out and I'm talking like an inch and a half thick T-bone, huge, smelled, I mean, delicious. You couldn't have cut that steak with a chainsaw. <laughs> I mean, hard as a rock. Hard. Why was it so? Because mm. it was fighting bull. It was a bull from a, a couple of days earlier. Gotcha. You know, from the bull ring, and it was. Do you remember that Bronco? Oh yeah, yeah. All those bull rings, South America and Spain, everywhere they had the the uh, you know the packing plant right in the right in the bull ring. And they would hand out the meat behind the bull ring, wouldn't they? Oh yeah, see those those bulls uh, in all those fights. Those bulls have to weigh so much and have to have been fed. I mean, those bulls are fat. They're they're ready to to go to you know the food chain when they fight them. I believe the term you're looking for is they're ready to be harvested. Yes, yeah. harvested. They don't believe in in veggie burgers. In South <laughs> yeah, no, America. no. You're not gonna slide one of those on there, but. So um, we had a college rodeo talk, and you are done with college rodeo, the rodeo coach at Fort Hayes State University. You guys are done with college rodeos for a while, and so now you are in NFR and take care of your grandkids mode. But, oh, I do have to get a picture of this. Bronco is actually very, very good. I started, well, Ashley and I started a tradition years ago where we buy matching Christmas jammies. That's awesome. It's the best. For everybody. That's so great. So on New Year's or Christmas Eve after church, Bronco puts on his Christmas jammies. Yeah, Bronco. And we just hang out in Christmas jammies. And he's, Bronco set a new record last year. He kept his Christmas jammies on from uh, Christmas Eve until January 14th. <laughs> it wasn't that long. But it was, uh, what was your record in the Christmas jammies? It was like uh, four and a half days. <laughs> Straight. Hambone, I Straight. I drove from I drove from Justin's house to our house, which is about two hours, two and a half hours, and I had to stop at a truck stop and fill up with fuel. And I had to go inside and pay for it. And my wife, in my wife, jammies. she said, "You are not going in there with those Christmas jammies." And I yeah, said, "Well, I am." I am. And so my cowboy boots and my Christmas jammies. I walk right into that. 
uh, truck stop and everybody in the truck stop. And there wasn't a lot of people, but there's probably six or seven people. Everybody stops and just stares at me. And I walk up there to the desk and I pay for my fuel. And this gal behind the desk, she just has this really cute, funny smile. And she looks up and she looks me right in the eye and she says, uh, sir, you don't lack for confidence, do you? <laughs> you should have bought a six-pack of beer and a carton of cigarettes in your Christmas jam. <laughs> ho, ho, ho. Uh, this from my kids. But the, uh, the one thing that Dad did say on a serious note last year, he's like, I don't know too much about that Snapchat, but please quit Snapchat me when I'm sleeping. Because <laughs> every time he would close his eyes, I'd take a picture of him, and it looked like he actually slept for 36 hours. So, Well... Uh, yeah, it did. I can't argue that. Yeah, so I was gonna say something, but I'm not gonna do it. I don't really sleep as much as he makes it out to be. <laughs> Although I will say, if I get a chance to take a nap, I will take one. I wanted to. I want to. Oh, so will he. So he's got nothing to say. I want to wake up my dad. Like my dad would wake me up when I was in high school. The most annoying, horrible, shitty way ever instead of walking in the room i don't know how vince woke you up like but instead of dad like kind of shaking my dad woke me up by cleaning out the dishwasher oh just cleaning dishes together really loud my dad he wouldn't be like hey justin hey good morning man get up he'd come in and he'd go good morning to you shut up good morning to you good morning little cowboy and i'd be like go to hell i I hated it so bad that i would jump out of bed to chase him and then i was up so that's why i do that to my children now with motley crew mornings with my bluetooth speaker with a shout at the devil as loud as it will go so i love those Oh, well, Bronco. Bronco, this awesome. is only, this is literally the first of very many times you are going to be on this show. And Vegas, when we're all together, hopefully um, you could make it out. We're going to do, we're going to be live at the BFO. It'll be midday. Uh, if you could come and spend a few minutes with us. Um, I will try to do that. Um, we would love to have that because you are one of my favorite, personally, me. You're one of my favorite human beings on this earth. You're just uh, always fun to hang out with. Uh, I bought you beer all night uh, at the hospitality in Abilene, Kansas, or Texas. And uh, <laughs> yep, that's a lie. Yep. It's, it's free gold buckle beer there. There you uh, go. Bronco, my it's dad, always fun. My dad told me one time, uh, I remember my dad saying, you can't expect the people to have a good time if those of us that are putting on the show don't have a good time. Amen. Hey, man, Bronco, that's a good way to end it, buddy. Well, have a good night. You boys have a good evening, and we'll look forward to doing it again. Yes, sir. Night, Bronco. You bet. Good night. Love you, Dad. (laughs) God, what a, what a, I love your dad. I absolutely love him. He's done and seen a lot of different stuff. But we haven't even touched the surface no. of the shit. Uh, next time we're going to tell about when he did the keg stand at Fort Hayes at a party. <laughs> oh, well, I didn't know if he'd want to take tell that or not. As a coach. <laughs> well, I, everybody there was 21, so we'll get into that one next time. But Absolutely. We will We will get into that. Oh. You know, it's um, oh, Bronco. Anyway, all right, folks. Well, that's another rump chat. 
Rump Chat's over. Thanks for stopping by. They're good friends from the Gold Buckle Beer and Boyd Gaming. Thank you all. We'll talk to you later. Peace. Have a good night. Father of mine, ah. tell me where have you been? You know I just closed my eyes. My whole world disappeared. Father of mine, take me back to the day. Yeah, when I was still your golden boy, like before you went away.